Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. I'm Caroline Stanbury, star of The Real Housewives of Dubai. I'm remarried and living my best life ever. See, there's so much life after divorce. I'm starting my new chapter unapologetically. I'm bringing real stories, real life, real talk on all things that aren't said between each other, society, the sheets, and everything in the middle. And lucky me, you'll be joining me on the journey. Listen to all new episodes every Wednesday. So buckle up. So welcome back to another episode of Divorce Not Dead. And I'm very excited to be joined today by the world-renowned and best-selling author, therapist, and awarded the Mental Health and Emotional Health Provider of 2022 with six, seven now, sorry, seven best-selling books, Marissa Peer. Welcome to the show. Well, thank you so much for inviting me. I'm thrilled to be here. I'm very excited because first of all, I mean, I know that you have invented something called RTT and you do hypnotherapy and many other things, which I don't understand at all. I'm absolutely fascinated and I'm hoping I'm going to have a go after this. I'm very excited, people. Explain to me or everyone out there what RTT is. So RTT means rapid transformational therapy because the old school of therapy is therapy is very slow and long and you've got to meet your therapist and build up trust and then you can begin to understand yourself. But I've always thought therapy should be the same as every other healing modality. Like if I went to the dentist, my tooth fell out. I went to the doctor because I'd cut my, broke my leg. I just them to fix me there and then. I wouldn't expect to say, well, we have to build up some trust and come in every week. And I never understood the time frame for therapy, that it's long, that it's years. So I wanted it to be rapid and also transformational. So that's what I created, a fast but super... The fact that it's fast doesn't mean it's not powerful beyond belief and very effective because it's amazingly effective. It can do everything, sometimes in just one session, sometimes three or four, but often just one. I mean, I have to say that sounds amazing because as a lot of people out there know, I'm not a massive fan of therapy just for myself. Like I haven't done it before. I just because I remember when I was the only time I really looked at it was when I was getting divorced. Mm -hmm. And I went to my to a therapist with my ex-husband and she said, you have to commit to this once a week. I I had a very big job Mm -hmm. and my ex-husband had a very big job. And I said, I can't commit to him once a week, let alone you. And I don't at the same time every week. And And the commute there and back. So it's like three hours out of your week at least. Yeah. And I and she was like absolutely positive that it couldn't happen unless I did this. So I said, okay, well, it's not going to happen then. And I agree. It, people don't have that time frame anymore to say I've been in therapy for 10 years. And we've just been talking about someone recently who just wrote a book who's been in therapy for 10 years. It's like, but that's the worst advert for therapy because they're clearly 
not better at all. Therapy should be very powerful and it should be very quick. I also, you also actually were the therapist to Princess Diana. Yes, I was. I mean, that's amazing. You must have like, I mean, just spending all that time with someone like her and sort of, you know, in that world. I mean, she had a lot of therapists to be fit. I wasn't the only one she saw. She saw a lot of people. It just, I think it's an amazing job just, just doing this and, and actually looking at your books and things like this, you preach a lot of what I believe because mm-hmm. I do believe, you know, you can, confidence is about, yeah. you know, everyone has confidence yeah. within it's finding it. These sure. are all things that I think that you're trying to say that are in with, yeah. within everybody. And that happiness is a choice. It's an inside job. Oh, I say it's a switch. You know, it's exactly. It is, yeah. It is. And I think, you know, you you have this demeanor about you, a very confident sort of demeanor, and you're very sure of yourself. And I think that's that's what makes probably makes people feel relaxed with you. Like I'm very happy. I don't I've never gone under, nor have I really looked at anyone and said, Okay, do it. But I'm gonna have a go I want to have a go with you because you're you seem very matter of fact and sort of one of my kind of people. I don't want somebody sort of spewing airy fairy stuff at me no I think you're right you know when somebody comes for therapy and you start with the cerebral cortex and the frontal lobe they, they get so confused and they think okay I don't even understand you now so now I don't like you because you're making me feel stupid you should speak your client's language should be really simple and people love some people say to me wow I've been in therapy for years how come you could explain that to me in 20 minutes because it should be really simple therapy shouldn't be complicated and it shouldn't be long it should be easy actually so after the three times, you feel people just feel completely transformed. Like, you know, they come to you for what exactly? So sort of marriage breaks downs or, you know, I know you've done weight loss. You do pregnancy, think you being younger, all of these things. Like what, what is what do people most come think? in for? It'd be easy to say what they don't come in for, which is psychosis and um, narcissists. I don't treat those two. Oh, why not? Well, I would never treat a narcissist. I've treated a few, but their belief is there's nothing wrong with them. Everyone else is wrong, and so they want to make you wrong all the time. So life's just too short to treat narcissists. And it's not fair to treat people with psychosis because reality is very confusing for them. So that's what I don't treat. But people come in on the whole for confidence, self-esteem. A lot come in because they just don't feel lovable and they want love. But if you go after love with this belief, but I'm not really worth it, and you're going to dump me one day, then it doesn't work. I see a lot of corporate people who want to speak in public, have more success. Obviously, the classic addictions, I want to stop drinking, smoking, gambling, shopping, eating, all that kind of stuff, infertility. And some people who are just, just unhappy and they don't know why. I mean... Things like confidence, say, and you meet someone who's gone through their whole life and they're in their 40s. Mm-hmm. How on earth do you reprogram someone to have confidence, really? You know, because surely that has to come within. Like, it, is it like, is it like manifestation? Is it like, is there homework? Is there like... Is no, I'll give you an example. Years ago, this guy came to see me who was about 48 and he said every Sunday night I started to get this terrible depression. It lasts until Thursday and then it stops, but then it comes back. And you see, I'm a great believer that you can't fix what you don't understand. That seems so odd to me. Depression visits you on a Sunday, lasts until Thursday. You have a lovely weekend, then you get depressed again. So what I teach, instead of saying, well, let's talk about that, and that's so interesting, and how does that make you feel, which I never ask a client, and how does that make I said, well, let's have a look at that. How interesting. You get depressed every Sunday night. Let's go back, because... In RTT, the client will take me where they need to go. I don't take them anywhere. They take me where they need to go. So when I asked him to go back to why that happened, he 
He suddenly said, oh, my God, I'm remembering something. He said, you know, I was sent to board. I was sent to school every Sunday night, boarding school, and I came home on Friday night, and I didn't want to go. So I started to get hysterical and cry. My parents actually had me, the local came and tranquilized him, put some tranquilizers in his food, and then he woke up at boarding school in the middle of the night. And they did this for a few weekends until one day he went and stood in the middle of the lake because he didn't want to be tranquilized. And they were very upset. So that was his story. My pet, my, every Sunday night, it was this horror. I got tranquilized because he used to be taken in the back of crying. I wake up in bed at this boarding school in despair and it lasts until Thursday and I'm going home on Friday. And then, of course, it's belief my parents did that to me. How could they? I said, well, look, we could reframe that. It was totally the wrong thing to do. But your parents probably thought, you know, poor son. And this is so awful. Why don't we give him a lovely tranquilizer? Then he won't even go through the pain. And the village doctor went along with it. So they possibly thought they were doing a good thing. It was a bad thing. But they probably thought it was a good thing. Even sending you to boarding school may have been bad. But they thought it was good. So now he can reframe it. Oh, I get this depression because of a memory but it's not me. And actually, one of the things RTT does very powerfully is go, that's not you. You're a premature baby whose mum fed you every hour and screamed hysterically when you wouldn't eat, and now you're 300 pounds, or you became anorexic because whatever, but that's not really you. Your dad left when you were two, so you can't find love, but that's not you. So what RTT does is it goes back to how you got to be the way you are, and then it kind of reasons with a mind why that isn't you anymore. And then it makes you a recording of the new person. I mean, that's fascinating because actually that's something that I have, which is I hate surprises, not completely sure why. Um, but I have a lot of trauma from boarding school too. Of probably. course, yeah. Um, I actually stopped going home on weekends because I hated going back. It was easier to stay yeah. than to go. So, I mean, I'm sure you treat so many people from British boarding school. Oh, it's ridiculous. so many. You probably heard that expression. English people keep their dogs at home and send their kids to high-class kennels. There you go. I mean, it, it is actually, it's, you can't quite believe that you do it. And my mother could never take me back because I'd be so, so hysterical. Upset. So it was always my dad that got the horrible job of taking me back. Yeah. And I was hysterical every time. And how like, old were you? Six. It's amazing that you send your kids away at six. I know. It's just um, hard to comprehend. And then, you know, you sort of get that feeling going down the, the school drive where you'd want to vomit. Yeah, of course. And like going back. It was just awful. And they, and it wasn't like every time I asked to leave, I was just taken to a different mm. school. And that was that. But it was so normal back then. But it's, I mean, I can't even believe, like, I, I know that my brothers told me the other day that half of his friends that went to Eton are still absolute messes yes, I from know, it. because if you think of being a little girl of six, what you need, you know, when we're born, we need, we are born looking for two things, find connection, avoid rejection. Your three kids were born wired to connect with you and not be rejected by you because that's how you survive. That's how you live, connect and don't reject. But when you go to boarding school, you're now disconnected and rejected, which is the worst thing for a child because all of your formative years are linked to how well you're connected and how good you are at avoiding rejection. But boarding school gets you Disconnection that and I'm rejection. I'm really good at is avoiding rejection now. So I find it very hard to have relationships with people that, you know, I'm like, if if I have an argument, I'm like, okay, bye. Yeah. You know, and I don't suffer you're, so much. Because you're I've in charge of who's not going to reject you. Mm -hmm. 
Because you must have felt your parents sent you away. Yeah, I guess. My relationship with my parents is, I always listen to this, sorry, Dan and Dad, but it's very complicated. I mean, I think the most we, we are, mm. our chats are like, hi, bye, yeah. you're having a nice time, you're alive, yes, mm. speak to you next <laughs> week. That's all we do. Whereas um, Sergio is on the phone to his mum every, you know, all day, every day. It's hilarious. So it's so different. But it does, it, it, it actually impacts my relationships as well with my mm. kids because, you know, I, you know, I know that they want me more present and I'm always busy, you know, yeah. in life. I mean, that's not surprising because if you cast your mind back, not long ago, rejection would kill you. Mm. I mean, if you ever watched Game of Thrones, for instance, you saw something, survival was a numbers game. The more you were connected, the more you would live. And if you were disconnected, if, you know, you, we used to banish people and cast them out and maroon them. So rejection would kill you even 400 years ago. And so we're wired to be terrified of rejection. And then because we're terrified, we do different things. We might say, okay, well, I'm going to live on my own. I'm going to not see anyone. I can't be rejected. I'm going to be real cold. I mean, I can't be rejected. I'm going to reject you up front. So I can't be rejected. But all these behaviors are to stop you being rejected because rejection was so painful. But it isn't really painful anymore. You can't die from rejection. You can live on your own until you're 105. And... Rejection can't kill you, but it, you, it still feels like it can. And all those songs are, die if you leave me, I can't live without you, unbreak my heart, make us think, oh, my God, rejection would kill me. But actually, it can be the best thing that ever happened to you. Maybe that's why I'm so horrible to you, darling. It's my own therapy session while we're in here. Well, I find it, I mean, I do know that I'm probably about the best candidate to come and do something like this. I do find it amazing. And I do think that if if I found, you know, someone like yourself, who's mm -hmm. more exactly less sort of airy fairy with it, that you could understand it, I think that more people would do it. Yeah. Because I do think, you know, number one, when you know that you have to commit, it's a big expense for anyone today, you know, that you if you know that you're committed for the next six years of your life. Yeah, and it's not just money, it's a time expense yeah, too. Exactly, everything. And People think about crying it. crying for like six years, and opening that wound for six years, I mean, Horrible. that's too much. Yeah, and, and I, I have friends, because I mean, especially in Los Angeles and things like that, that I feel like I've been over therapized. Oh, yeah. oh, they love that. How do you say it? And Therapy I feel speak. Yes. And I feel like that they they can't cope with life mm. because someone said it's okay because this happened to you. Therefore, you know, this mm. this is your excuse to behave the way you've behaved. And I'm very British, which I feel like you can't be a twit all your life because, you know, like something bad has happened to you. I do believe that, you know, if you're gonna do therapy and everything else, you have to, you know, you have to change. Mm not just be told that it's okay. And also therapists in normal therapy, they don't tell you any answers, mm. right? You, you, as you said, you're not led yeah. to something. So I never understand how you'll get there. It, I'm just, is it like talking yeah. to yourself? I was told that too, you know, never judge your clients, yeah. but I don't agree with that at all. I think you should tell them what they need to hear. I do. I mean, I worked, with, I worked with a sweet little girl of 17 telling me about her boyfriend. I said, darling, he doesn't love you. That's not love. That hurts so much. It's not, and she gave him her pay packet every weak and he never took her out and I said that's not love he doesn't love you he's using you and you should be able to tell people the truth if someone came in and said hey my husband beats me up and locks me in the house I go well why are you staying that's not love when are you leaving they go I love him I said no but it doesn't matter if you love him that's not love and you should really tell people the truth I don't understand therapists who just go okay because if someone's being hit and hurt and beaten 
you should say to them, you need to leave. That's not love. A man who would do that to you doesn't love you. And even if he does love you, still leave. If you want this relationship to work, you've got two choices. Leave now and don't come back or leave now and send him to a therapist. And when he's fixed himself, you can go back. But the answer is the same. If you want it to work or not work, leave. And you should really give people advice because that's what they want. Well, it is as some sort of direction at the end of it. If I wanted to speak to myself and talk to myself just with a third person there. Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> That's how I felt. I was like, okay, um, you know, I'm not saying I'm perfect, but I'm just saying that, you know, most of the things I think from, again, being at boarding school, I've learned to helicopter my own scenarios and talk to myself in very weird ways that I can yeah. see to see myself behaving wrong or yeah. behaving right I can helicopter situation and see how I probably should fix it yeah. and I don't mind looking at both sides but you know as I said when I going to a therapist and finding that there's going to be no end to this therapy yeah. for me is you know something that I just didn't want to get on but I think you know having something like this where you quit you give people the tools to yeah. fix themselves or to say, you know, teach people what love is. A lot of people don't or know. Or what it isn't. You know, years ago, one of my clients called me and said, please see my mother. He said, my father beats her like a gong. And she just believes he's a wonderful husband. So then came this sweet little lady. She was about 78. And began, and I knew because her, her son had told me that he'd smacked her head into the kitchen tiles because he didn't like the dinner she'd cooked. And we began a conversation about he was a wonderful husband. And I said... You know, I'm going to say he's a wonderful provider. And if you every day say he's a good provider instead of a good husband, you, you're going to understand the truth. He's a very good, we've got a lovely house, three sons, grandchildren you're not allowed to have at the house because he's not a good husband. A good husband wouldn't say those grandchildren can't visit. And I said, and by the way, if you went out for dinner and he smacked the chef's head into the wall, you'd be arrested because <laughs> you can't put your hands on someone. She'd know, but I burnt the chicken because you know what they do? They normalize it. I see they normalize abuse and pain and rejection. I said, look, if you went to a restaurant, he would be arrested because that's not okay. But I just want you to say every day he's a good provider instead of a good husband. Just don't lie to yourself. She left him within six months and her son said, you know, it's so amazing. She's so happy because of that one word you switched in her. He's a good provider. And then, of course, she realized she could get half of everything and be married for 35 years. So she then lived on her own and had all her grandchildren to visit and was much happier. But sometimes it's just a little switch because people normalize pain. They go, oh, yes, my dad molested me, but you see, my mother wasn't interested in him and I looked so like her or, well, my dad hit me, but he was so unhappy at work. And they make it normal. You know, I was talking to a girl recently who lived in, a, in Iran and she was saying that every time she went out there, she took $100 in a fully charged phone in case she got thrown in the back of a van. Because I had them. So she normalized that. And it's amazing how we normalize stuff that isn't normal until someone says that's not normal and that's not okay. And you have to say that that's not okay. Let's take a little break from the show. And I want to talk again about Cozy Earth. You've heard me talk about it loads and loads of times on the show because genuinely I've been using this for, well, these sheets now for over a year. And I absolutely love them. Not to mention they've been on Oprah's list for years and one of her favorite things from in 2018. And Cozy Earth's best-selling bamboo sheet is temperature regulating 
which again, I live in the Middle East, don't know about you guys, but it's very hot here. So having a sheet that sort of lets you breathe at night is key. And it's so incredibly soft. It's softer than cotton, believe it or not. So the more you wash it, the softer these sheets get. They come in a variety of colors. So as you all know, again, I'm meant to be moving into my new house, which I've been talking about also for about the last year and a half. But I really do think I'm almost there now. So I'm looking for sheets for the whole family. They come in a variety of colors with luxury pillows and sheets and blankets and everything to match, which is fabulous. So my kids obviously have just grown out, my boys especially, have grown out of all their kitty sheets and they wanted plain. So it's so nice to find luxury bedding that's sort of simple that I can use for myself and my children. And it's just so easy. I can buy all from the same place and it comes with matching robes and towels, which just sort of interior designs a whole room for you, really. So you don't have to think too much, which who doesn't like everything to match? I do. So I'm deciding right now between the gray and the beige. I'm probably going to go for the gray because my room is pink and floors are gray. But honestly, everything matches and it's just so easy. Plus, they are backed by a really, really lengthy warranty. I've actually never seen a brand do this before. A hundred night sleep test. Never heard of that, but they must be pretty sure you're going to fall in love with it. If you don't like them, you can send them back. Cozy Earth also has a linen bed collection, which I love if some of you live in maybe hotter climates or more sort of summer places. What a lovely thing. I love linen. It's so crisp and sort of chic and it sort of adds this casual elegance and sort of captures the fabric's breezy, timeless appeal. So if you like um, linen, this is for you. Today, I am offering all my listeners 35% off site-wide when you use the code DND. I am I don't think you can say better than that. 35% off on the whole site. And that's also loungewear too, by the way. They've got um sleep pajama sets. As you know, I also love those big, big on loungewear. So you can order today um, with an exclusive offer for my listeners. 35% off site-wide when you use the code DND. Happy shopping. Um, I hope you enjoy these sheets as much as I do. Let's get back to the show. Hey friend, I'm Nicole Walters, mom of three, your internet bestie and founder of Inherit Learning Company. If you're looking for the motivation you need to pursue a life of purpose, then join me each week on the Nicole Walters podcast as I share my hard-learned lessons and answer your DMs about life, business, and everything in between. We'll laugh, we'll cry, and we'll grant ourselves grace as we do life together. Check out the Nicole Walters podcast every Tuesday here on Dear Media. You can listen anywhere you listen to podcasts. So how do you take someone through trauma then? Any kind of trauma. Well, you know, trauma just means that the effects of it are in your body. Again, you go back to a scene. A client will come in and say something like, I can't leave food or I'm no good with confrontation. I can't ever be the center of attention. I've always been like that. I go, well, no, that's not quite true. No babies are thinking, oh, my God, I can't stop drinking formula. No babies says, don't look at me. I haven't got any hair. So clearly we know that these things are acquired. And if you acquired it, then you can get over it. You can be free of it. So the first thing is to go back to where did this happen? How did this happen? When did this happen? And then when we've got that information, it's rather like being a detective. A detective kind of looks at 
puts stuff on the wall and looks and, and gets gathers information. What if you've got a terrible memory? How are we going to get? Yeah, but you in hypnosis you never have a terrible. The subconscious mind is always on and it's always on record. It never ever is but off. There are some people that can't be put under. I heard. No, that's not true. Everybody can go into hypnosis. It's a, such a natural state. You're going in and out of it all day. If you're watching a movie and suddenly the phone rings and you jump, or if you drive home on autopilot, you're in hypnosis. So you go back and have a look at what caused the issue. So my own issue is I was always late for everything my whole life, always late. If I had 10 hours to get somewhere, I'd be late. I missed planes. And I was, oh, it doesn't matter. I was an aerobic teacher for Jane Fonda. I was always late. Oh, and it doesn't matter. I just add on a bit at the end of the class. I saw that. You just threw that out there and continued. She was an aerobics instructor for Jane Fonda, people. And that's pretty cool. It was very cool. but And then one day I was... I went to someone else's class. I went, I'm sorry, I'm a bit late. And I thought, well, that's inconvenient for me. And then I thought, oh, no, I better stop being late. And then I, I had to go back to why am I always late? And then I had this memory of being a girl of about 10. And my father was a head teacher. And I missed the bus to school. And the school bus was maybe, I don't know, so near my house. It wasn't even a four-minute walk, but I always missed it. My father would drive me to school utterly furious, but I never missed the bus coming back from school. There were no phones then, of course. Well, there were phones, but there weren't mobile phones. And then I realized, oh, of course, I was late to get my father's attention. You know, when a kid wants their parents, they don't care if it's good attention or bad. You know, when your kid throws themselves on the floor in the store and starts screaming, they don't know, is it good attention or bad? It's just attention. And the minute I got that, I said, okay, well, I don't need that attention. It's negative. I was never late. And as you say, I got here half an hour early today. I was sitting in that cafe because I stopped all of that just by saying, oh, that had a purpose, but it's redundant. I don't need it. And then telling myself I love being on time, even love being early. I used to hate being early. I thought being early is a waste of time. I actually noticed that you tell yourself, so you've got kind of like, I don't know if you call them mantras or not. Yeah. Like, is that what you tell people to do so depending on what you come to you for you would then you have to repeat these things to yourself sort of so let's give you an example I work with many many people who are overweight and they almost all not all of them go back to scene like it might be a scene where one of my clients was telling me that she was 11 and she started to get breasts and all her dad her friend's dad would look at her and go oh you look good in that bikini you're filling out well and she couldn't handle that it was really awful for an 11 year old she got very fat and the breast kind of disappeared in this rolls of fat. And that never happened anymore. And then she was, oh, I see. When I was 11, I couldn't cope with being sexualized. That's quite understandable. So I made myself fat. And then they, those, my friend's dad didn't leer and sexually object for me anymore. But I'm still doing it now at 42. And I don't need it. So it's understanding it had a role. Everything has a role. If you have something you hate and you can't get rid of it, it's because your body thinks, no, it's very useful. Actually, you need it because we'll say, you know, I've done that and I can't, I lose weight, I gain it back. I stopped drinking and then I stopped smoking. I gave up drinking and I just took drugs or I stopped doing this and I did that instead. Well, if it keeps coming back, it's got a role, it's got a function, it's got a purpose. So you've got to find out what that is and then you kind of negotiate with the mind. Hey, that doesn't matter. It's redundant now. You don't need it anymore. And then you wire in the new belief. So I met a girl in Dubai, she's one of my great trainers now, and she said that she had to be good, so good, she wanted to kill herself. And all this went back to when she was born, her mother kept saying, this baby's going to be the death of me, she's going to kill me, she's always awake. 
I'm going to kill myself if she doesn't sleep. And, of course, babies pick that up. My God, I better be good. I've got to be good. I must be good. And all these years later, she's trying to be perfect mother, perfect wife, perfect employee. And the strain was so awful that she wanted to commit suicide. I said, well, why not be bad? Why don't you try to be wild and crazy and naughty? Because if being good makes you want to die, try being the opposite. Try being selfish and rude and swear and just do what you like for a while. And she said it made such a difference because it's only, oh, the little girl had to be good. Her survival was linked to being good. But the grown-up doesn't have to be good. And so it's what I call unfinished business. We, we think when we're six, we're thinking a thought, I've got to be good. I've got to please my mom or I've got to please my dad. But they're not fleeting thoughts. They are direct instructions, commands to the mind. So let's imagine you're reading out loud in class and you read the word bridge and you go, bridge, and everyone laughs at you. And then you think, I'll never, never speak in public again, ever. But that's an instruction. I'm never going to speak in public. 30 years later, I'm going to have a little podcast today. And as you get near to it, you break out in a sweat. You might get a migraine because your mind's going, no, don't you remember what you said? You don't want to do that. So we, we come to these conclusions when we're young because before the age of five, you don't have feeling logic. You only have feeling. And the feeling is, I never want to do that. I mean, I worked with so many infertile women who've gone back to being sick. Oh, my God, I think I'm pregnant. This is hell. This is disaster. My dad will kill me, especially if they come from very religious families. And the mind picks up, well, if you don't want a baby, that's the worst thing that could ever happen to you ever. And lo and behold, they can't get pregnant. I mean, I was told I could never get pregnant, ever. And even if I did, I wouldn't have a normal baby, which I could never carry to full term. And I realized that was just conditioning. And then I had a perfect baby. She was absolutely fine. But we, we pick up these beliefs. You see, we make our beliefs. And our beliefs turn around and they start to make us. And since our beliefs make us, we, we have to make really good beliefs because they're going to make us. I think, you know, things like uh, school and classrooms are probably one of the places that most people as well are traumatized. Oh, very traumatized. Yeah. Like streaming, why would you, you know, schools reward achievement, not effort. You can get a bright kid who does no work and gets the prize. Another kid who works so hard and never gets anything and they learn what's the point. Yes, I agree. And I always think, you know, they treat all children the same and they're so different. Every child is mm. different. And it's the public shaming of children. Oh, yeah, that's they terrible. Stand up in class. I have my, one of my earliest memories is, I don't eat fruits to this day because I had to sit in a room full of people and eat fruit, grapefruit for breakfast every day, which made me want to vomit. And, you know, so I still hate fruit and it's still ingrained because the whole class school had to wait till I'd finish my fruit. Yeah. So you can imagine everyone's like, oh, hurry up, hurry up. And or, you know, getting ready, getting ready for school and then, you know, walking into the school room and the boys rating how you looked as girls and Things like this. So, but I, you know, what? I actually don't have any childhood memories. Wow. Uh, nothing. I mean, I can't remember any. I mean, I remember bits of it. Yeah. Very, very small bits of it. But like, you know, I know other friends of mine that remember everything. Yeah, I, I remember, remember everything. Nothing. Yeah, but Crazy. that's that's because you see, your mind is so amazing. It does what you tell it. If you say things, I'm going to forget that or not think about that, or not refer to that. You've told your mind, I don't want to remember it, and now it's all a blank. But if you said I can remember everything and, you know, I can deal with it and I can reframe it all anyway. 
then it becomes completely different. Yeah. The mind is a very powerful thing. And sometimes that is to my benefit and other times it's to my detriment because obviously I would like to remember some bits and it wasn't all awful. And I, you know, it's just, I've managed, I've managed to block out all of it. I did never. And that, you know, from there, I, I have terrible memory remembering people that I meet. I'm awful. People think I'm so rude. So those of you that met me out there and I don't remember your name, it's... We can get, you can get your memory back. Memory is one of the easiest things to fix because actually you have a phenomenal memory. You just don't have access to that memory. That's a different thing. You have a great memory. It's all in you. You've just shut off the access to it. I started, well, there you go. I've just started taking brain pills. Mm -hmm. So maybe I'll have to stop that and do this. You know, looking back at things like this, and if I was spoken to in the right way, it would be something that is extremely beneficial for, for, for me and for other women. Because I think that we're all conditioned in some respect to stay within boundaries that mm. were set years ago. You know, I mean, look at look at the way people are scared to get divorced still. Yeah, isn't that crazy? It's crazy in this day and age that anyone is going, how did you get the guts? Like the guts to do what? Yeah. You know, it shouldn't be this giant like, you know, sacrifice and this giant sort of scary world out there because what is so scary? And I think what you just said was very powerful, actually, that he was a great provider and that if you've been married 20-something years, he still got to provide something. Yeah. So you, it's not like normally, I mean, that is, I don't, you know, you're going to be turfed out on the street with absolutely nothing. And as long as you've got a head on your shoulders, you can, there is a way out. I always say there's a way out of everything. Yeah. How do you stop people that, because a lot of people out there say they're victim mode, right? You know, I know a lot of victims. Yeah. Life happens to them. Yeah. You know, everything bad happens to them. We're all privileged. Life is amazing for us. They Everything is shit for them. And we wouldn't understand. How do you condition someone out of that? Because I want to shake people and I don't yeah, know how you, to do you that. Yeah, you really have to make them listen to how they're talking to themselves. Oh, it's all terrible. And like they'll say to me, you know, marriage is so hard. It's like hard. Being single can be hard. You wake up with the flu. No one's even going to go and get your prescription for you. Oh, having a kid is so hard. It's like, no. Being alone for your whole life is maybe harder. But it's the like you say, people think that being single, oh, can't you find anyone? You know, maybe you, maybe you love being single, but we do have these boxes. You should be married, but it's very hard work. Having a child is exhausting. You can't even go to the bathroom ever again on your own. Your school days are the best days of your life, which can't possibly, nobody, it can't be right that you have an amazing life and the first 15 years are the best and it's all downhill. <laughs> That's just not true. So we tell people this crazy stuff, you know, oh, get it, it's awful getting old and once you lose your looks, you've got more chance of being abducted by an alien than getting married over the age of 45. These are all just sound bites. They're not real. They don't mean anything. Even if they did, they don't apply to you. There you go. Men don't That's like true. successful women. Says who? Barack Obama never said that. You know, if you're a wealthy, beautiful woman, you're never going to find love. You might find a gigolo, but nobody wants you. And so it's a tremendous shame that we allow ourselves to be dictated by sound bites. You know, one of my clients said to me, I feel so bad that I got divorced. I'm like, well, why don't you just say that was your starter marriage? You've got to start a home. You can have a starter marriage. You can have a starter business. You learn a lot. Then you think, well, I'm, done. I'm moving on now to something better. And she said calling her first marriage a starter marriage was a total reframe for her because it made her think, yeah, it was good. I learned a lot. And then it just, I grew out of it. Nothing wrong with that. It's absolutely what I believe in. It's like, it, it, it was a chapter in my life. 
And I think it's it's so exciting because what's the next one? Yeah. And, you know, that's why nothing's scary because, you know, even entering into the marriage, you know, with someone 20, 18 years younger, I was like, you know, when everyone else said that it couldn't possibly work and it wouldn't, he's always going to leave me and he's going to go off with a younger girl. I'm like, and, you know, if he wants to, if my older husband could have done that too. Yeah. That's and bad. look at Joan Collins and is it Maxwell? Caulfield. Yeah. yeah, he's a friend of my dad's. And they're still blissfully happy. And they, they both, she's got Maxwell and I've forgotten his, it was, is it Julia? They have an 18 yeah. year age gap and they've been married for, I think, is it nearly 30, 30 years, years now? Yeah. And still blissfully happy. Nobody would say that if it was a guy that was older. So you just have to ignore all those things. None of them make any sense. And you have to just, actually, to be really happy, you have to learn something so simple. Do not let in criticism, but do let in praise, especially your own. So don't let in criticism, just deflect it, but let in praise. You're blissfully happy. And does it matter what other people think? And how would they know what's going on? Only you know. You know that you're happy. And what's 18 years anyway? So what do you do or advise for people that can't block out the noise or have, you know, it, my life isn't your life and mm. woe is me, you, yeah. everything's so easy for you mentality? Yeah. You know, as a single parent, people at my daughter's would say, oh my God, you're so lucky, you don't have to make your husband's dinner and aren't you lucky, you don't have to do anything. And I thought, I guess they really think I am lucky. And I, that, I never thought that married women, especially the kind in Fulham where they were all terribly posh and well off, would envy me, but they did. And I thought, well, that's good. That's kind of cool that they envied me. So you have to make a choice. Happiness is an inside job. The way you feel about everything, and I do mean everything, is down to two things. The pictures you make in your head and the words you say to yourself. So if you start going, oh, this commute is killing me. My kid is driving me crazy. It's such a, this house is a nightmare. This is hell. What's hell? You're in Tesco on Christmas Eve buying shopping. That's not hell. That's hell if you live in Zimbabwe with no money to buy any shopping. So you've you got to realize that it's your words. There's no hell in Tesco. There's no hell on the freeway when you've got a car and money to put petrol in. That can't be hell. That's someone else's fantasy dream come true. So when you have a bad day, you think, is there someone in the world who go, hey, can I have your problem? I'd love a kid to smear peanut butter on my stainless steel fridge or get my nail varnish on the carpet. I, I give anything for that problem. So someone in the world will look at you and say, that's my fantasy. I, I take it. And that's what stops it. You have to stop moaning and think, what's good about this? Which can be very difficult. What's good about it? But there's always something, you know. So I was went back to London for just a week. I was teaching in Ibiza and I got run over. And this I couldn't walk for six months. I managed to walk for six months. I'd just been in Peru. I thought, oh, my God, thank God I didn't get run over in Peru. At least I got run over in London. My family and I've got a house and my daughter's in London. All my friends are in London. Got great medical care in London. If this happened in Peru a month earlier, it would be a whole different story. So even the worst possible thing, you can always find a reframe. And that's what you have to do because we're so busy talking yourself into it. You've got to talk yourself out of it. When you have a brilliant brain, which everyone on this show has, everyone listening has, is your choice. Talk yourself into it or out of it. You know, life's shit. It's always raining. It's too hot. It's too cold. The economy, the government, the perma crisis, the war. But the truth is, here you are living in a free country. Life is amazing. And things happen. You know, we had SARS and AIDS and 9-11, but we always go back. And when the world's uncertain, you've got to be the certainty. But I'm still the same. I've still got the same marriage, the same great kid, the same great career, the same great friends. And we're so busy looking out there for certainty. It's in here. So instead of talking yourself into it, talk yourself out of it. 
I love that. So you have trained over 16,000 people yeah, now? Yeah, nearly 16,000 people, which That's is amazing. amazing. I know. And they're all over the world. So All g- over the world. How do people look up your system or, or join? You or? Go, just go to rtt.com and there it is. We train people, doctors, nurses, beauticians, flight attendants, everyone. And for women especially, it's a great job because there are very few jobs for women where you can get up, work your own hours, set your own fees and be your own boss. So it's got a lot going. And, of course, you make a massive difference, which is the best thing of all. No, I mean, that's what I enjoy so much about this podcast yeah, is meeting all different yeah. people. And mate, you never think, never know that just one word you say to someone could change their whole life. Just think, oh, look at Caroline. She's divorced and she's happy and she's got a great guy. So if she could do it, I could do it. So you never know how much your story can, in, like, you know, for me, there aren't any women creating their own, lots of men, but I think I'm the only woman who's created a brand new therapy. And that's good for other women to go, oh, I could do that. And it used to be all men were speakers. So you and I are both kind of role models for other women who think, well, I can have a podcast. I, I could be a speaker. I, could I create my own business, set my own hours? Make, yeah, of course you can. If you want it enough, you might have to do some work. But you can have anything you want. And this is another thing people get wrong. They go, okay, I'm just going to wish it. If you want something, you've got to do three things. First thing is, Really take a look at what you want. But, I mean, really look at it with x-ray vision. What do you really, really want? And when you see what you want, if you really look at it, you'll see the next bit. What does that require? So I could say I want to write a book, but but that's not... If you look at it, oh, no, I don't want to... I want to write a best-selling book. So there's a bit more going on there. And then you've got to learn to be a speaker. And you've got to learn to give talks and go on podcasts and book signings. So you've got to do the first bit, look at what you want. You want love? Well, what does that involve? Get off the couch. Go. Don't go to a woman's book club. There's no men there. You've got to go to a golf club or a poker tournament and make a bit of an effort. And then the third, which is the most important for these, you've got to sit down and keep saying, I'm worth it, I'm worth it. Because if you don't believe you're enough, it doesn't matter what you go after, you'll block yourself, sabotage yourself, or stop yourself. So you have to do all three. Take a look at what you want. Really take a deep look at what is required of you to get what you want and then decide that you are worth it and you're you're enough to have it. And then you can have anything almost with bells on. But you've got to do all those three. You can't do one or two. You've got to do all of them. You've got to do them in that order. I mean, thank you, Marissa. That is uh, a very good place to leave this podcast. I am very excited because I'm going to go off and have a go at doing this for the first time. But I do think that if there were more people out there, well, there are 13, 15,000 other people that have been taught this method that just could open people's eyes because you're absolutely right. I didn't even know in, in some way I became a little bit of a therapist doing this to you people did, just by talking to people. Sure. And I realized that it is, it's just conditioning yourself. Everyone always asks where confidence came from and who taught me. Nobody can teach you. It's, it's in you. And confidence really means liking yourself. Mm. You know, that's all it is. And why couldn't you like yourself? And if you can't like yourself, how can someone else like you? Because then you feel like a fraud. So if you don't think you like yourself, every day you've got to go, I like myself, I like myself, I'm an amazing person. And, you know, we have what I call the missing bit, the words we've been waiting to hear our whole life. My mum never said she loved me. My dad never said he was proud of me. I'm waiting for someone else to come and say that. But you have to say it. So... If you haven't heard those words, say them yourself because the mind doesn't know. And I promise you, it doesn't care where those words are like balm. If you put lotion on your hand, it doesn't care if it's from Primark or Prada. 
it's a nourishing lotion. But words are the same. It doesn't matter where they come from. They go in and they're like balm for your soul. So say the words you want here. Don't wait for someone else and give someone else that job of making you feel better. Do it yourself because it's actually even more effective. Thank you. That's an amazing place to leave today. Thank you for coming on Divorce You're Not welcome. Dead. It's been amazing. Don't forget, you can um, go to rtttherapy.com. rtt.com or imenough.com. Or imenough.com. Look up Marissa's courses and her books and get in touch. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Divorce Not Dead. Tune in next Wednesday for a new episode. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. We'd love to hear from you. Follow me on social media at at Caroline Stanbury for all the behind-the-scene action. note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.